This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Well, good morning, everyone. If it's your first time here at ABC Church, we give you a very, very warm welcome. If you're joining us online, thanks for taking the time to listen in. Can I ask you, were you offended? Were you offended by Theresa May's dancing? I've got to say, I was slightly offended, were you? I looked at that. Um, some of my kids, in fact, yeah, two of my children are in church this morning. Uh, never, ever complain about my dancing at weddings ever again, girls. Because I tell you what, that was dad dancing of a new order. Wasn't that? Did you, did you, did you all see it? Yeah, she was thumping out those moves and cutting some shapes, I tell you, it was quite amazing. And uh, we are sharing together from God's Word this morning as we continue this series called Unoffendable. Because it's easy to get offended, isn't it? And in the culture that we have uh, today, where it seems that uh, free speech is being alienated and being marginalized more and more, and uh, we need to be so aware of children's self-esteem, and uh, all of what goes with us, and I'm, I'm not belittling that at all, but the reality of life is that, as we've said so many times here at church sometimes, life is cruel, and life is unkind, and often life sucks. And then when stuff comes our way, and if we've been coddled too much, and if we've been cared for sometimes too much and not face the realities of life, it can hit us like a train when disappointment comes, and sometimes when the people who we love most let us down. And so in this series of a couple of uh, weeks together, we've been looking at this subject of how easily we get offended and how we need to maybe consider becoming like Jesus, who was unoffendable, I believe. You know, we've not been talking about Donald Trump so much these weeks, these weeks as we've been together. We've been talking about Boris instead, haven't we? Or what's now being called Burkergate. Because of some comments that uh, Boris Johnson made about a month, six weeks ago in the press over um, the attire that people of other faiths wear. And lots of people, it's been interesting to watch Facebook and see it all happening and watching Twitter just light up as hashtag Burkergate became the kind of the thing that is happening and trending. But can I ask, were you offended by Boris's comments? How easily offended are we? So today, as we look at and continue in our thoughts by looking at Scripture and looking at what the Bible teaches about how we need to be careful, how we react to stuff around us, and that we respond instead of reacting. And there is a difference. You see, if we react to something, it's something that's a a knee-jerk action, isn't it? Remember that exercise that we would do with crossing our knees and getting a little hammer and seeing if we could get our nerves to react by tapping anyone's knee. Has anyone done that before? Young people are looking daft at me now. Come and see me after church or go and see somebody here at church. We've got some nurses and doctors here. And go and see them and they will tell you how you can force a nervous reaction in your knee just by tapping the nerves. And whether you like it or not, your your foot is just going to go whoosh straight out uh, as a result of it. But what the Bible teaches us is we're not to become people that react. We are to become people that respond. And there's a difference. If you're unwell and you find yourself in hospital, and they need to give you medication, 
We need you to respond to the medication, don't we? We don't want you to react to the medication. And re responding to something is healthy. We want people to respond to the message of the gospel, don't we? Not react to the message of the gospel. We want you to respond to his grace working in your life, not react to it. If you've been in worship this morning and God has been prodding you as he does by his Holy Spirit and as we come into uh, his house and as we worship and sometimes as we sing songs and we, and, we, and we sing those big words that we sang this morning, in my life be lifted up, we can react instead of respond. Instead of where we should be saying, God, open my heart this morning. Change me. Let your grace come into my life today. Show me the shadows of my heart that need to see your light today. And change me that I might become more like you. You see, I believe Jesus was unoffendable. I believe that Jesus was not offended when the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8 that you can read the story was brought to him. And the, the, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought the woman to him and says, this woman should be stoned. She's been caught in the very act of adultery. And Jesus, calm as a cucumber, doesn't react as he. Instead, the scriptures say that he drew. I wonder what he wrote. Do you? He wrote in the dust. I wonder what did he write? Hey, hashtag you chuck stones first. Or what did he write? I don't know. What did he? What did Jesus write in the uh, in the in the ground? We'll, we will never ever know. Those words have long blown away. But we know that Jesus wasn't blown away. We know that Jesus just waited his moment. And said, look, let you who have no sin cast the first stone. Let you that are without sin. And interestingly, as the scripture says, from the eldest to the youngest, they left. And the one person that could stone her that was without sin was Jesus. And what does he do? He comes with his work of grace and he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Lovely, isn't it? Lovely two-part message. And we have to take both parts of that message, church. We have to take that message. We can't just take the no condemnation without the sin no more. God calls us to a repentant life. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Jesus was not offended when the soldiers came to arrest him in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, I'd be ticked off and angry. I would have reacted. I would have reacted like Simon. I would have got out my sword. I wouldn't just chopped someone's ear off. I would have just offed them. That's what I would have done. Wouldn't you? But what does Jesus do? When everyone around him is reacting, he responds. And in the middle of all that, when they are kind of off with his head, no, sorry, off with his ear. <laughs> Never mind his head. Jesus, what does he do in the middle of all of that? His grace and love. He heals the man's ear. How incredible is that? Would you react like that? I'm pretty sure I wasn't. Jesus was undefendable. And that pinnacle, as I've been sharing uh, in the scriptures with you together, can we get to that place where Jesus, where he's been tortured, tormented, and suffered so badly on the cross with his outstretched hands, he says those words, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Unoffendable. Unoffendable. Because see, he sees the big picture. 
He sees the big plan. And some of you, you know, as we've sung this morning, he's in the waiting. I'll tell you, he's in the waiting. Get with God's big plan. God's big plan for some of you right here now might involve more waiting. More waiting for your husband to be saved. More waiting for your child to come back to Christ. More waiting for that healing. More waiting for that financial breakthrough. Don't get frustrated because he is in the waiting. There's teaching and there's learning for us in those moments. His grace is enough for you, I tell you. Let's just rest in him and know there's a bigger plan. And because Jesus had his eye on the big grand plan, from a woman caught to adulterer, from the situation in the Garden of Gethsemane, even to being on the cross, because he knew all of those things were part of God's great big plan, he was chilled. He just let it all happen. And so for all of the things that happened to us, where we talk about being offended for those people that will say things to you, for people who would seek to put you down, for people who would seek to even destroy you. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about them. I know it's tough to do. You might want to get your sword out, but keep it in its sheath and just rest in God's plan. He's in a waiting and he'll come through. I was reading the scriptures this week um, as part of my kind of structure of, of going through the scriptures in an orderly way and finding myself back at the beginning of that wonderful story of, I call it handover time. I've got a message that I want to preach at church in the next couple of uh, months or weeks. I'll, we'll see how it comes up. But it's called handover time. And the message handover time is where Moses hands everything across to Joshua. I mean, how many of you would like to be Joshua? How many of you like to? It's like taking over from Alex Ferguson at Man United, isn't it? You know what I mean? This guy parts Red Seas, makes bitter water sweet. You know, he does all this kind of manna from heaven. You know, kind of, you know, the power of God is on Moses. And he says, Joshua, follow that. Hand over time. Can you imagine that? Okay, it's just me that maybe imagines what it must be like. But there's this interesting passage of scriptures in handover time where God gives him a promise and the God gives it that same promise to you and I today. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And interesting that the man who parted the Red Sea by God's power does the same thing. Parting the Jordan by God's power, that the waters, I love what the uh, King James says, that the water upstream came into a big pile. <laughs> I love it. A big pile of water upstream in order that it could be uh, dried downstream. You see, we can be easily offended. We can get offended by Birkergate. And I found it interesting reading uh, on the 10th of August, John Kampfner uh, in the Evening Standard wrote this about it. And it's just this passage, this, uh, passage that he writes just jumped out on me. I'll read it if, if I may. Um, he says this, the headline of the article was, Artful Boris fulfills our need to be offended. Interesting. That's a headline on uh, in the Evening Standard, 10th of August. Writing about Boris, John Kampfner says this, His interventions are only occasionally unintended. Usually they are artful, designed for a purpose to keep himself in the public eye and promote his ambitions. Isn't it? 
that's, that's Boris. That's his way of doing it. There was one time when he was getting bad headlines about his private life. Then, as is the way in, with a news cycle, the story began to wane. So what did he do? He went jogging in ostentatiously colourful shorts to provide photographers with a picture that would revive the conversation around him once more. The same artifice was at play with his remarks about the burqa. Was this del a deliberate dog-whistle politics to ingratiate himself with the UKIP-leaning Tory right? Probably. Does it matter? Only if people want it to. He goes on to say, that's where my despair about the standard of British politics is compounded, compounded rather, by a perennial frustration about our collective yearning to get upset. We have elevated taking offence into a human right. It's John Kampner writing, this ain't me saying this, this ain't Facebook, this is someone that's writing in the Times saying we have elevated taking offence into a human right. So my message to you this morning in this series where we're looking at Proverbs 4 verse 23 as our foundation verse. Proverbs 4.23, put it in your memory, hide it in your hearts if you can as Psalm 119 teaches us. Above all else, says Proverbs 4 verse 23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Let's pray. Father God, as we open your word right now, we pray that you would teach us. We pray that you would encourage us to look at areas of our lives where maybe we need to respond to your grace. Lord, that not just in responding to our grace, we would receive your grace. For we know, Lord, that the difficulties and the challenges that we face in life, Lord, you have empowered us by the Spirit of Christ that raised him from the dead and it dwells in us, Lord, you have equipped and empowered us to be able to stand as you stood. So help us this day. Lord, as we said this morning, light the light of the world into the shadows of our heart today. Show us where we need your light. Ask in Jesus' name. Amen. My title this morning is simply called The Path to offense. The path to offense. How do we get offended in the first place? What leads us to come to that conclusion where we can be in life just fine? We get up in the morning and everything's going just fine until, until something happens, we get offended. Happened to you? Has it happened to you? Where someone maybe sends you an email, or someone's Facebook status, or someone says something or does something, and you get offended. Has it happened to you? Yeah. Happened to me. And I often wonder why did I just, why, why did I react like that? Why did I respond like that? Why did I? get offended. And we're going to look at some scriptures today, and we're going to see some signs. And I don't want to focus on the triggers. All I want to do is highlight them, but I want to give you solutions that help us respond instead. Yeah. Is that better? Yeah. That today, as we look at God's word together, that we might have uh, answers to 
identifying those triggers when they happen, and then instead of reacting, we can respond instead. Is that right? Because yeah. we all know how to create a reaction, don't we? Yeah. Do you know how to create a reaction? Oh, come on, you're not being honest with me this morning. You all know how to create a reaction. I mean, those of you that have got brothers and sisters, that sibling rivalry that you have, you know what to say, don't you? You know what it takes to take that pin out of that little grenade and just say something to your sister that you just drop right into her text or lap or in a given situation, and you have the power. You've got your finger. You're taking a pin out because something has happened, and, and from that offense that you just picked up, you have the power to put the pin back in put that away or just leave it go and go and the thing I like about a grenade is there's a waiting in it there's a moment and then sister goes oh don't laugh guys you got a brother that you can do exactly the same with or a wife or husband or you know exactly what you need to do you can just say that those, some of you are talking about things that happened in 1967, for goodness sake. <laughs> and you just bring up something that happened way back there. You just take the pin out every time and you just go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what it's going to do, don't you? Yeah. So there's two things that take place here. There's two things that take place. It happens in your heart first. And I think it's nicely summed up in Scripture where it says, you know, be careful what we say. And there's responsibility on both parties here. Look, my lovely wife Ruth is here, and we've been celebrating 27 years of marriage this week. Isn't that great? I turned to Ruth. <laughs> She's a hero. Yeah, she is. I turned to her in the morning, and I lent her cloth in the morning. And I says, morning, hon. I said, give her a cut. You know, she's still alive, and God's blessed me with another day with my wife. And I lean across to Ruth, and I says, morning, hon. And she goes, oh, morning. I said, because uh, I'm an early bird, and she just wants to lie there. I says, happy anniversary, darling. And she said, happy anniversary. And I said, wow, I'm still alive, I said to her. And she said, still alive? I said, yeah, that I've gone 27 years with you and you haven't killed me yet. <laughs> I think that's great. Because I am so annoying to live with, I guarantee. I am the most annoying person on earth to live with. And I, and I know it. And so I said to Ruth, and we were just laughing and joking in, in bed, and I, I just said to Ruth, yeah, I'm amazed you haven't just put a knife in my back and got it over and done with years ago. And she said to me, oh, I wouldn't put the knife in your back. If I was going to do it, I'd put it in the front so you could see it coming. <laughs> and that's the responsibility on all of us here. My responsibility to you and your responsibility to me is we have weapons. Our tongue is a weapon. Read James. He says it's a weapon that can unleash all kinds of evil. And we have a duty to keep the pin in that grenade. Yeah. 
And so the power, we can easily kind of talk about someone else and say, well, you know, she shouldn't react like that. I mean, Pastor Phil says that Jesus was unoffendable, sis. You shouldn't have reacted like that. Uh, 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 uh. She shouldn't react like that, but you shouldn't take the pin out either. That's what it looks like. It looks like all of us getting a hold of our emotions and all of us in that situation saying, God, I'm just, you know, she said something, she sent that text, I'm going to ride above it. Your grace is strong enough for me. You are going to strengthen me to just let that one go. I'm going to keep the pin in that one. And I'm going to slowly, can we do this in our lives? Slowly stack up a stash of grenades that we've got that we've just not let off. Can we do that? Can we do that? Instead of going around going poof, 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 in everybody else's lives, that we build up and say, I'm putting a pin in there. I'll let that go. I'll let that go. He said this. She said that. I'll let that go. That headmaster, he winds me up, but I'll let it go. That boss in the office, I just let it go. i let it go. I let it go. <laughs> Turn to me to God's word. Should we get into God's word? 1 Samuel verse chapter 18. Verse 6 to 11. Put your finger in it. Okay, 1 Samuel, chapter 18, verse 16, uh, verse, sorry, verse 6 to 11. As we look at this, this morning on the backdrop of that verse that says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Ready to go? This is a story that's set on the backdrop of David the shepherd boy winning the battle for Israel. Now, in any other ordinary day, this kid would be a hero. Because nobody in Saul's army would get up and fight. Nobody. Fee, five, four, thumb, said... No, that's the wrong one, isn't it? It's something else, that is. But Goliath was there like the great giant, saying, who's going to come and take me on? And all of the Israelites were there, like... Not me, not me, not me. I'm not going to fight him. And David comes along. David, who is superb with a sling and stone. That's all he needs. A sling and stone. As he says, I'll take him on. Who is he to defy the armies of the living God? He knows God's on his side. And we all know the story, don't we? The craft and the stuff that we've done at kids' church around David and Goliath, who was apparently about 28 foot tall, not 9 foot. Uh, but all of the story that we all know and love, we love it, don't we? When David beats Goliath. We love it when someone beats the All Blacks, don't we? We love it when somebody beats Man United, don't we? Oh, sorry, that happens all the time these days, so I don't go there. But we love it. Right? Who's the next? Liverpool. Now, Liverpool are top at the moment. Liverpool fans. Oh, yes, yeah, see, John is in this morning. Now you're the target. John, Liverpool are just lucky all the time. Fergie time is now kind of, I don't know what it is, kind of time that you've got there at the moment. But we all love it when Goliath falls, don't we? And it's this story. And listen to these verses here. 1 Samuel 18, verse 6 to 11. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine. The women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with tambourines and lyres. Lyres is like old-fashioned guitar back in those days. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. 
Now, before we read further, I just want to give this some context. Look, that war's been going on for years. When your man is coming back from the army, I've seen pictures on YouTube or Facebook when people are returning from the army and the, the airport departure uh, arrivals and dad comes and the little children are running because dad's back from war. It's that kind of thing that's happening here. The women and the children are all celebrating because the war is over. The Philistines have surrendered. Goliath is dead. And now all the fighting men are coming home. So the women now are a little bit happy. Do you get it? We, do, we want women to be happy, don't we? Do we, guys? Happy wife, happy life. So we want uh, women to, to be happy. We want everyone to be happy. So here he is, and they come out. But you see, they come back from war, and the women start singing this song. And I wonder, if it, is this like the song? You know, I know a song that will get on your nerves. Get on your nerves. Get on your nerves. Do any of you know that song? Yeah, right. And some of you later on today, you know, that song will now, it's, that song's in your head now. You can't get it out, can you? And I wonder if this is what happened. I don't know how the tune went. Sola Sainis. I don't know how this song went, but I think this song got on Saul's nerves. Do you? Got on his nerves. In fact, it got on his nerves so much that Saul wasn't angry. Listen to verse 8. Saul was very angry. I'm not angry. I'm very angry. He was ticked off with me. Okay, just me thinks. And I love this scripture is even nicer. This refrain displeased him greatly. It's nearly, it's nearly Shakespeare. Saul was very angry. That's a bloke answer. It's always angry. Yeah, he was angry. He was angry. And the women said, this refrain displeased, displeased him greatly. This is it. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. You see, the path to offense starts with the thought. What are you thinking? What are we thinking when that text comes? What do we think when they say what they say? What do we think when the boss does what he does? Let this mind be in you. And the scripture is quite clear. You know, Romans 12 teaches us that we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. You see, everything starts with our thought life. Saul was very angry in verse 8. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought. And then he starts doing a comparison. But, he goes on to say, me with only thousands. I don't know if this is envy or this is jealousy or this is comparison. But, you know, some people just can't be happy for other people's success. You know, promotion and somebody getting a job is great news for everyone, isn't it? Or is it? Because there's some people, if you found out, yes, tomorrow morning, that they get promotion, or you found out that they get that job, your response and your thought is like this. Well, how's he getting the promotion and not me? You do the comparison thing. We do the comparison thing and it grips us and it gets us caught. And this, I tell you, is the path to offense. And I'm going to talk about some techniques and some things that the Bible teaches us as well 
that we can react to it. And this is the th that we can respond to it, I mean. But listen to this, verse 9. Watch what verse 9 says. And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. And you see, what happens with offense? It comes into our heart, first of all, because we allow it in. And we entertain thoughts. Instead of taking every thought captive and putting it aside, instead of being happy for those people, instead of saying, well, God, I'm glad you've given them that job. I'm glad that they've had the breakthrough that they've had. I'm glad that you've blessed them in the way that you've blessed them. And you know people that are like this around you right now. You know the kind of person. The kind of person that if they won the lottery, it would be unfair. And the reason it wouldn't be unfair is they are the kind of people that would look and say, oh, I only won 10 million. What do you mean you only won 10 million? Well, a week before it was 40 million. I only won 10. They would win the lottery and it wouldn't be enough for them. We all know people like this, don't we? Are the, your friends saying the same thing about you? That you're a person that's like this, maybe? I'm just asking. I'm just asking. I'm just shining a light this morning. And from that time, verse 9 says, Saul kept a close eye on David. And because the thought comes in and we begin to entertain it, you're keeping your eye on them. <laughs> That's what you're doing. And don't tell me you're not, because you're looking at their Facebook profile every day to see what's going on in their life. Keeping your eye on them, are you? Because something has taken a hold in your heart and you haven't let it go. So, as we look at the scripture here, it gets so messed up. gets so messed up. Turn me to 1 Samuel 20, verses 30 to 33. His anger that he had gets so bad, begins to even mess up his family. This is what the path to offense does. It'll break the things that you love the most. 1 Samuel 20, verse 30 to 33. And you know, we can, we can jump over this in a hurry if we want to, but we're going to take some time here if we can. Saul's anger, it begins to flare up everywhere now. Oh, yes, you get angry. Very angry. You're angry with everyone. You get angry at so many things that happen now because of what is happening, and it begins to spill out. And now, because Jonathan is friends with David, Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan, and he said to him, I mean, this is his son. You son of a perverse and rebellious woman. He's a nice guy, you Saul, isn't he? Don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? What on earth is this man saying? He's the one with the problem. I mean, I'm pretty sure the mum is pretty good and reasonable. Raised Jonathan, I know, to be a good kid because he's a loyal friend. Do you? But instead now, look what he's dishing out. He's got angry with David and because of that now, he's angry at Jonathan because he sided. What's this side things? There's only one side we should all be on. That's God's side. The side of right, isn't it? Church, please, don't be on Pastor Phil's side. Can we make that clear? I don't want you on my side. I want you on God's side. Because there's a chance I can step out of the lane, isn't there? There's a chance I can say things that's wrong. There's a chance, well, there's every opportunity probably that I will say stuff. Don't put your trust in me. You put your trust in, the G you put your trust in Jesus. He'll never let you down. I will. I can tell you that now. 
So be on God's side. And don't make this a sides on a human side thing. Just be on God's side. In the office, be on God's side. In college, be on God's side. The way we use our phone, be on God's side. The way we hit submit on that Facebook status, just be on God's side and you'll be okay. And the reason I know that is that's what Jesus did. Whether he was tempted of the devil in the wilderness, whether he was on the cross, whether he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, all he's done is accept the cup, accept his lot, being on God's side, and it was all right in the end, wasn't it? Yeah. It was all right in the end. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan. He said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't, you, don't I know that you have sided? Verse 31, as long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me for he must die. He gets so messed up that he wants to kill his own son. Whoa. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. And you see, this is the second time that his anger spills out. Because go back with me to 1 Samuel 16. We read from verse 10. And this is when this first happened. The next day, an evil spirit from God forcefully came on Saul. And I just want to say something here. You know, that is portraying this isn't an evil spirit that's come from God himself. This is God allowing something to happen. He's given us a free will to choose. This is like when we read of the story of Job, where there's a dialogue between uh, the, uh, Satan and a dialogue between God, where he says, consider your servant Job. This is one of those moments, okay? So let's not make this theologically into something it's not. This is how the writer is communicating, that God has allowed this situation to happen. God will allow situations to happen to you, but don't worry, you won't be tested beyond that that you are able to take is the promise of God. Verse 10, the next day an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house. Amazing, isn't it? So Saul, in the middle of all this mess, is still prophesying. He's still God's chosen, anointed one. And in the middle of the mess that he owns this envy or jealousy or anger towards David, God still continues to bless him. I know we can think that God, because God continues to bless us in some aspect of our lives, we can think that that kind of behavior is okay. It ain't okay. And we know it's not okay. But God is speaking to us about the ways we need to change. Saul had a spear in his hand, says verse 10, and he hurled it at David, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. So this is on two occasions. David is playing the harp. And while he's playing the harp, in order, because that's what he did with Saul in order to calm his mind and everything else, he got so angry, really angry, he gets his sword and he tries to catch David, misses, hits the wall. Does he go there, pick it out of the wall and then throw it again at David trying to kill him? Because David eluded him twice. And it's that same behavior that in the end, in chapter 20, he does towards his son David. I want to ask you this morning, what have you got in your hand? Have you got a harp 
or have you got a spear? You see, David's heart is right. He could, if he wanted to, he could get angry. But he's chosen the harp above the spear. And what we need to do is do that same choice ourselves. Do we want war or worship? That's what it is. Spear is the instrument of war, and the harp is an instrument of worship. What's the choice of your heart today? Do you want worship or war? You decide. If you decide war, it starts without a fence, and the path takes you to a place where you will even maybe destroy your family and those things you love the most. So the path to a fence, how do we avoid it in closing? How do we get to a place that God can use us for his glory? There's the answer. Put down the sword. Pick up your harp. Submit to God. Resist the devil, says James, and he will free you from you. You see, what we need to do to empower ourselves to put the pin back in the grenade. I mean, look, I'm going to give you permission this morning. Can I give you permission? You can take the pin out. Take the pin out. And what I mean by that is, you know, for a moment, you know, let's not be all super holy here. She said this. I mean, that's what we call a righteous anger. It's okay to be angry. Are we all cool with that? It's okay to be angry. So you can take the pin out and get angry. But in your anger, teaches scripture, do not sin. That's where you've got to put the pin back in. Because you can't throw that grenade. You getting me? Or am I speaking to myself here this morning? I'm trying to be really practical here. And get these scriptures and bring them to life because it's okay to worship God in church on Sunday you've all got your harps this morning you left your spear at home you haven't even brought it to church because it's Sunday but when you get home I mean some of you might even have it in your glove box in the car right now where's your spear where's your grenade a stock of them. Will you join me? Build up a stock of them. And we're going to keep those. We're going to keep on with this harp. And then, right, okay, I'm not going to fire that arrow. I'm not going to shoot them with that spear. I'm going to just that grenade. And I love the illustration of the grenade. I'd catch a grenade. Because that's what the family of God need to be, don't we? not just helping each other and empowering each other to put the pin back in but when we see one in the air being lobbed at something someone can we just leap across hey eh? three sisters in a house together possibly just say it <laughs> and one sister decides to in slow motion my heart's desire as a dad is that they would just put the pin back in and walk away but unfortunately it's just gone it's in flight (laughs) and what I want is middle sister our middle sister maybe because she's possibly the athletic warrior one I maybe want her and I'm using her just as an illustration girls don't read 
and anything into it other than she's the physical warrior one she's the one get her do you know what i want i want her to just dive in slow motion and go i'd catch a grenade yeah look i know we can laugh about illustrations on a sunday morning but monday's coming You've got a choice, spear or harp. What are you going to pick up? Put the pin back in. Don't go on that path to a fence. Take every thought captive and say, I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to let on. I'm going to let And see God show up in your life. I tell you, see him show up. Because he empowers you. He wants you. He wants you there. And he's shouting from heaven right now. Put the pin back in. That's what he's doing. Put it back in. And do you know what I've found? Is the first time you do it, it gets quite difficult. You put the pin back in and you kind of, you still got this grenade in your hand. I found it's just easier just put the pin no I just whenever they come along I put the pin back in and I, there's grenades all over our house you'll find some like in the drawer by the microwave where something's gone on and I've read something maybe got up in the morning and, and, I, and now I laugh I just go oh there's another grenade come to my house there's grenades all over the place there's grenades under the bed there's grenades everywhere because I have chosen to walk a life that I can become like Jesus and I can become unoffendable too. That no weapon formed against me will prosper. No tongue that will raised shall stand because I have authority and power in Jesus' name. And I declare those words over your life as well, church, that no weapon formed against you can prosper. No tongue that is raised will stand. Just trust. like David ministered to himself he would time after time after time and even when he had himself the opportunity of getting perfect revenge to be able to take Saul's life for himself in that cave and to be even off Saul and get his own back he decided to keep the grenade and keep that pin in and I want to finish with this story that I think is very very interesting and this is just my imagination in closing you see David knew what it was to handle deadly weapons when he went to slay Goliath come on some of you Bible scholars or some of you children tell me how many stones he took from the brook how many did it take are we, are we got a discussion here five or six he took the bit I want to say he had more weapons than he needed you have more weapons than you need you got so many grenades more weapons than you need but the disciplined the disciplined king David knew what it was to control deadly weapons he had 
had them. There was some, you know, David and Bathsheba and over there, there was some, some things he couldn't contain. But he knew what it was in war to contain his temper because he had learned how to handle the instruments of death. And in our lives as we lift him up, this instrument of death that God has given us in our tongue or instruments in our little thumbs that we can hit send or hit that mouse click yeah I use mouse and click submit the weapons of death we have got to learn to contain them like Jesus did like Jesus did and like David did and pick up the harp can you pick up the harp with me so Monday morning when it comes on Tuesday morning when it comes can we put the pin back in This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.